are, have already met us out at the table, but I have my wife stand up so that you can see her, my wife Sherry. We just celebrated our 30th anniversary on Monday, and so we're off to a good start. Uh, but uh, but uh, So the first 30 has been good. We're, we're working on the second one now. We have seven kids. That's three are already out of the house, grown, uh, one of whom is married, two of whom are married, uh, and then the other four are back in the various places where they're supposed to be tonight, we trust. Uh, so we, uh, we know that we, we have some of our prayer cards out in the hallway. We have a table out there in the, fr- in the front that has some as well. Uh, we also have some things there. If they can be of help to you, uh, we have some Russian tracks. And we also, in case you don't speak Russian yourself, we have the English translation of it so you can see what it is before you hand it to somebody. Uh, we also have some, uh, some little business cards, which are not ours, but it's a ministry that, uh, that our, our church in Russia supports uh, where they have an online radio station, Christian radio station, uh, 24-7, that broadcasts both in Russian and in Chinese, in Japanese and in Korean, in German and in French and in Spanish. Uh, and so if there, are, uh, if there are people that you think you have difficulty reaching because of a language barrier, obviously we don't want that to be a barrier. And so uh, that's one avenue that's available. And certainly if you have people from, from other nationalities or language groups uh, that uh, you have difficulty communicating with, uh, we can always get a hold of tracks and things like that. And, and you, can, you, can, you can give somebody the gospel if you really want to. Uh, so we want to encourage people to do that. It's been really exciting to, to, to meet with the Jennings before the service and hear uh, about uh, the way that the Lord is, is moving and multiplying in the church here, uh, and that's very exciting. We know that there are some folks that are here that were not here the last time that we were here, and so our presentation it kind of gives a, a whole overview of the time that we spent both in Russia and then now the ministry that the Lord has given to us in New York City. And so we'll go ahead and begin that. That'll be a, a good way uh, hopefully to answer a lot of the questions that you may have and, uh, and, and for you to see what's going on as well as uh, maybe it'll spark some questions. So if you have any questions for us, we, uh, we'll, we don't have any other plans tonight. So after the service lets out, uh, we can meet you back at the table and we'll be happy to answer your questions. And if we can provide you, uh, like I said, with any kind of other information that would be beneficial, some gospel materials or something, uh, then we'd be happy to do that. Okay. So what I've done to try to make sure I don't ramble is I actually have kind of a, a kind of a written out script here that I'll more or less stick with, uh, but at the same time I may diverge from that uh, every once in a while. So I am the switch on the side. Okay, now I'm armed and dangerous. Nope, I think I just switched it off. Okay, okay, I recognize that. Okay. So we serve the Lord, as you already know, in New York City, but we never expected to. Uh, I was born in Cincinnati, but my family's actually from Kentucky. We moved there when I was six months old, and that's where I grew up at, a small town named Somerset. If you, if you boat at all, go down to Lake Cumberland, you probably, you've probably been in Somerset. That's home for me, a little town of about 12,000 people, and my wife is from Illinois, uh, not from Chicago or a big metro area, uh, but from farm country. And so she was saved when she was nine. I was saved at the age of 12. Um, in Bible college where we met, the Lord had burdened my heart uh, for Uzbekistan, which at the time was part of the Soviet Union. But when the door to that uh, country did not open to us, our mission board asked us to consider Siberia, Russia, uh, 2,800 miles to the east. And so uh, we could, at the time, we could see a path that led from Siberia 
threw some friends of friends back to Uzbekistan. So we thought, sure, uh, that'll, that'll be great. Uh, so we went to the city of Blagoveshensk, which actually means the city of good news, uh, not because it's a gospel-saturated place, but that's what the Russians called it way back when, when they took it away from the Chinese. Uh, so the city of good news, that's where we were. Um, it's in the Russian Far East. There's a map here. If you can see that little red dot uh, way off on the, uh, the, uh, the right side of your screen, the best way to find it is if you find the Korean Peninsula uh, on a map and you go straight north through China right to the, the Russian-Chinese border, that's where you find Blagodeshensk. Uh, so it's, uh, it's about, uh, about 7,000 miles uh, east of Moscow, uh, only about 700 miles off of the Pacific Ocean, so, uh, so it's not anywhere close uh, to, to the European part of the country. Uh, it's right on the border with China, like I said. The Amur is what the Russians call it. The Black Dragon River is what it translates to in Chinese. Our first visa was a cultural exchange visa. And so I taught English to elementary and high school students here at school number five during our first year in Russia. Now, we were in Blagodeshensk for about a year and a half. And then we moved 25 miles outside of town to this village named Ivanovka. And there we began, this is, a, this is a postcard of our village. It says Ivanovka, Lubina, Vasilo, our beloved village. Uh, so that's where we were at. Uh, and we began having services in our home and outside of our home in an outbuilding on our property and outside underneath some, uh, some canvas that we stretched up to give ourselves uh, some cover from the sun. Um, so we saw people get saved, get baptized, uh, but the government uh, was under was being influenced by the Russian Orthodox Church. This is a guy, uh, Gavriel, who was the priest in our in our area, and so as a result, uh, in God's providence, uh, we were forced to leave the country back in 2003. Uh, but uh, during our ministry in Russia, the Lord had been arranging for our next field of service, uh, but it wasn't in Uzbekistan. Instead, He connected us with Pastor Jim Bickler and his wife uh, Nancy, with whom we now serve in New York City. Why New York City? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, and that is when we went to Russia even, the burden that the Lord put on our hearts was not for the big metro areas like Moscow or St. Petersburg, uh, but it was for smaller rural areas. And so uh, being from a small area myself, my wife as well, that's just how we were wired. Uh, but so, so when we got back to the States, after getting kicked out of Russia, we expected the Lord to put us in another part of the former Soviet Union, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, so why New York City? Well, you already know that a lot of people live there. Uh, there's about 9 million in the city and about 20 million in the metro area. Um, and you also know that they have come from all over the world. But what you might, okay, so in addition to that, there's an extra 50 million people or so that come to visit the city every year, uh, you know, passing through their students, their tourists, their business people, their, their visiting relatives, whatever the reason is. But there's just a lot of, uh, there's a wave of humanity that keeps washing in and washing out and it's always changing. Uh, so you know all that stuff. What you might not know exactly is that New York City is home to the largest Russian-speaking community in the world outside of the former Soviet Union. Over 600,000 Russian-speaking people live in New York City. To put that in perspective, that's the same number of people as live here in Finley and in Bowling Green 
and all of Wood County, and in Toledo, and all of Lucas County, put together. That's 600,000 people. And that's the size of the Russian-speaking community in New York City. With a community that large, many people feel no need to learn English because they can live quite comfortably uh, just speaking their native tongue. So, although my wife does have an ESL group, which meets on Sunday afternoons after our service, we conduct all of our church services in the Russian language so that they can all have access to the gospel. Uh, this is a hodgepodge. The various ethnic groups, and there are over 150 separate ethnic groups uh, that was part of the former Soviet Union. Uh, people from every, every uh, shade and every series of facial features, anybody, really. They couldn't be Russian-Russian, but they could be part of the Soviet Union. So with the community, okay, anyway, so the various ethnic groups, and this is just a smattering of them, uh, that inhabit the Russian Federation and its former satellite republics, they embrace various religions and various beliefs. There are the atheists, represented by their number one flag bearer here, uh, Vladimir Lenin, uh, and you also have what perhaps you didn't realize, Russia has the largest Muslim population in all of Europe. There's almost two million Muslims that live just in Moscow. And that's not including, of course, the Central Asian countries like Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and, and, and the others that used to be part of the Soviet Union. But the predominant religion in the, in, in the Russian Federation is still the Russian Orthodox Church. And polls show that between 60 and 70% of the population consider themselves Russian Orthodox. Russian Orthodox is a lot like Roman Catholicism. Uh, it's very ritualistic, it's very uh, very elaborate in their services. Um, and of course, a lot of these folks, like, like in any religion anywhere, a lot of the folks who would identify as Russian Orthodox, they're not really religious at all. Uh, they just figure, hey, I'm born in Russia, that means I'm Russian Orthodox, right? Uh, and so for a lot of them, it's cultural, you know? Uh, they, they, they don't really go to church, they don't really do anything religious at all. Uh, they just claim, well, I'm not an atheist, so, uh, so what am I? Oh, I'm Russian Orthodox. Okay. So a lot of it is that way. Um, and of uh, So uh, the, the, the dominant in, in the Russian Federation is Russian Orthodoxy. But while we, all of these different groups are, uh, of course, present in our community, the majority of Russian-speaking people in New York are Jewish. Most of them are not ultra-Orthodox like these guys. Many of them are not very observant at all. Maybe Hanukkah, uh, maybe Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, you know, the two high holy days. But they have been taught that Jesus is not for them. Uh, and for some of them, that's all that they know. Oh, you're a Christian? I'm not. I'm Jewish. Uh, which which is, is completely backwards of how it's supposed to be. But Jesus Christ, we know, is for the Jew and for the Gentile. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, this fellow, uh, Ben Stein, uh, he, uh, he was our brother from Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, he came to him years ago, was born again. Uh, he was a bold witness for Christ, and he was like my right hand for many years. But the Lord took him home uh, back in January. This is a cover, another shot. Uh, you've got uh, Babur on your left. Yeah, uh, he's from Uzbekistan. He got saved uh, after a Bible study in, in, uh, in New York City. And then in the center, uh, Barjan from Kazakhstan. He was saved after, after one of our Bible studies in, in another part of, of the city. And the list goes on of folks who have come to know the Lord or who serve alongside him in our, uh, serve alongside us 
in some capacity. Uh, this family, um, the guy, the, the, the dad, uh, he's, he's, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be speaking tonight or tomorrow in my absence, uh, midweeks on Thursday. Uh, in the center, his son runs our website. His other son, the tall fella who runs our, our live stream, uh, the, his daughter-in-law who's here next to him, uh, Kati, she does some translating from time to time. His wife does decorating and visiting, and they're, they're just super folks. So you have, uh, you have people who are, like any church, uh, they're preaching, they're teaching, they're doing our, our electrical stuff, they're translating, they're doing music, uh, maintenance, and cooking, and decorating, and evangelizing, and counseling. Uh, and, then, uh, and then this is a, this is a family, uh, a young family. He actually runs our live stream on, on Sunday mornings. He and his wife, they have a Bible study in their home every two weeks. And so that's been going on for about four months, and so we're really excited to see what the Lord's doing with them. So if Ben was my right hand, this lady, Olia, she was my wife's right hand. She went back to Tashkent, the capital of Uzbekistan, last fall. Uh, many of our folks are very mobile. Uh, they've already come across an ocean to get here, and so they have no problem uh, moving someplace else in the country if they think they're going to get a job or if they think there's going to be some kind of better opportunity for them. Uh, I mean, I can name, uh, like, uh, this, is a this is a family from Ukraine. Uh, they're in Cleveland now but I can name nine different states and five different countries uh, where people from our church now can be found. And so, uh, so it's kind of like, in a way, it's kind of like a military church in the sense that people come in, some of them stick, and some of them, it's just a way station, and they're off to wherever the next place is. So now we have this other Olia. She and her, uh, she's from Belarus, and her uh, very active boys uh, that kind of try to fill up the, the space that our previous Olia left. And this introduces to us as well things that our family does. So our kids are all involved, uh, both uh, working in Sunday school or other times. Uh, our daughter, Shastya, she's our church pianist, and she also does some other things from time to time. Uh, we also have um, all of our kids are active, out passing out tracts, uh, both uh, in a public way and also, also privately. Our son, Gabriel, uh, he was uh, trying to get the gospel to all of his little league teammates. Our girls also are really interested in uh, preparing baked goods to feed the body and the soul of our local police precinct. And so we, we visit them pretty frequently. Um, and so this is, where, this is where we're at. If you come to Brooklyn, Southern Brooklyn, where the church is, this is where you'll find us. Uh, we've got four storefronts. Or, yeah, it, the building itself has five storefronts on the bottom uh, and some apartments on top, which we, we're not connected with. So we've got two storefronts, a Chinese restaurant, and then two storefronts. And so that's the facility uh, that we rent. Um, what you have is you have on the right side of the building, these two storefronts, you can see the pillar in the middle, has been opened up to form the auditorium that the English church that we work with, Pastor Bickle's church, uh, where they normally meet. We meet there on Thursdays. This is actually a Thanksgiving service that we had uh, because our midweek is Thursday. That's when we can use the building. And so, uh, so that's, uh, that's that side of the building. And then the other side of the building, uh, we have our, our Russian auditorium. And then the, the fourth storefront is three classrooms and a nursery. And so this is, uh, this is our congregation uh, at different, different times. Uh, half a block away from us is this building. Uh, it's an old, uh, it's an unfinished Episcopal-owned building. You can see it's three stories. It's got a basement. It's got land, which we, you know, we don't have any parking. You start, there's no parking in front of our building, so you just have to scatter in the neighborhood and find what you can find. So we've been trying to talk, we have been talking to the, uh, to the diocese for three and a half years, uh, trying to gain access to the building, to help them to finish it, to share the space, to buy it outright, to have God give it to us. 
whatever, whatever, any or all of those things that we can do so that we can have more space, so that we can do more things. Uh, so we ask you to pray uh, for us about that, uh, that the Lord would open up a place uh, that, would, uh, that would allow us to expand uh, in, uh, in, in different ways. So here's a map of Long Island. Uh, you also have the New York City uh, is on there, the different, different colored stuff. Our church in Brooklyn is located at the red dot in the orange blob. The orange blob is Brooklyn. Uh, so the red dot, if you can see it, is way at the south. Uh, we also have a Bible study uh, to your right in that lime green area. That's Queens. Uh, you know, Br New York has five boroughs, Queens and Brooklyn, uh, the Bronx, Staten Island, and, of course, Manhattan. So our church is in Brooklyn. We have a weekly Bible study in Queens. What you can't see by looking at this map is that it takes our folks, if they wanted to, it would take them two and a half hours on the train to get from that dot in Queens to that dot in Brooklyn. And so that's why we have a Bible study in Queens. And that's why we'd like to open up another one somewhere else. Two and a half hours. What does that mean? That means you can get in your car here at Trinity and you can be in Flint, Michigan sooner than some of our folks can get from one of our locations to the other one. Two and a half hours. And that's just in New York. And that's not, that's not even as far as one part of New York is from the other part of New York. All right? That's just... It's Sunday, the trains don't run as frequently, there's wider gaps in between, um, there's no direct route, you have to go up here and then you have to go down here, that's how it is. So, uh, that's something else we ask you to pray for, that the Lord would give us more locations that we could, that we could use so that way we could expand. We're actually trying right now to, um, uh, to, to, to we're looking for a spot in Long Island, uh, we, out of the five boroughs even. Uh, we found three spots on Long Island that have both a Russian Orthodox Church and a Ukrainian Catholic Church. And so we know there are people there, and we know that they are going to church at some time there. And so we're trying to break into one of those areas as well. So uh, this is our Bible study in Queens uh, on Monday nights. That's a weekly thing. Uh, and so what we have, finally, well, we've talked about the people in the church. We've talked about our own fam my own family, uh, the various members that do different things. The third part of the triangle are churches like this. You guys have been supporting us for a long time. Uh, we have different groups that come from time to time to work with us, senior class trips, youth groups, senior citizens. We've had senior citizen uh, groups before. And so we can, we can tailor uh, any kind of group, any kind of size uh, for the most part. Uh, we have uh, anyway. Uh, we had one group from Michigan, for example, uh, that spent uh, about a week with us, and they wanted to spend one day uh, in a Chinese area, one day in a Russian area, one day in an African area, we can do that in New York. You know, there's there's everybody from everywhere. Uh, maybe not in the in the quantity that, for example, the Italians or the Chinese or the Russians uh, possess, uh, but you can find neighborhoods of just about anybody that you're looking for. So it's a great way to go to the mission field without needing a passport, without needing an airplane ticket. To, to visit another part of the world. Okay, so that being said, there is a world of opportunity and there's a limited time that God has given to us to use. And so our goal is to plant churches and nurture them until the Lord provides a national pastor to take them over and then move on to wherever the next place is that the Lord would have us to go. So we do ask you to pray for us. This is our prayer card. Uh, you can, like I said, find them on the table or in the hallway. Uh, ask that the Lord be glorified through us amongst the Russian-speaking peoples of New York City. And that's our presentation.
Okay, so we were in our village, uh, and things you saw some, you know, you know, just a few pictures there of of, of that because that was 20 years ago, <laughs> almost. But we had uh, we had kids that were coming just just out of the woodwork. It was great, um, and as a result, the Orthodox Church was involved because they were losing uh, people and influence, etc. So they they had they 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 engineered for us to be r removed from the country. So. We had been working with another missionary family and a single missionary lady there in, uh, in uh, Siberia. The lady had come back here, and she was actually supported by the church in New York that we now partner with. And so we had been sending updates back to our supporting churches as you know, different events unfolded. And then she was also mirroring those and sending information to her supporting churches because our ministries were, were very much connected. And so she contacted us, and she said... If you get kicked out of the country, uh, then call me when you get back to the States because there's something that I think the Lord would want me to tell you in that case. And so we did. We got kicked out of the country, came back here to the States, uh, called uh, our friend Margaret, and Margaret told us about the, uh, the, the Russian population, the fact that she had a supporting church that was in Brooklyn who had been, and the pastor had been wanting uh, to establish a Russian-speaking church, which is, which is what we have. He tried to bring in a couple of uh, other Russian-speaking or Ukrainian-speaking pastors from abroad. That hadn't worked out because of visa issues or whatever. And so they wanted to do more than just pass out tracts or have, have, have that kind of uh, ministry uh, to the population. So uh, right away, my wife and I, uh, much to our surprise, uh, we, uh, we both thought, this is, okay, this is what God wants us to do, which was a total shocker. Right, we're thinking we're headed back to Siberia and instead we're going to New Yorkistan or New Yorkograd or something like that. So we made arrangements to come visit the church. We were going to visit them in September or so. Uh, this was April. We got kicked out right before Easter uh, in, in 03. And so we were going to visit them when we were on our way up to, to, to visit some of our other supporting churches in New England. Uh, but I didn't want to wait that long. And so I called them up and asked if we could come early, like in July. And so we did. We went to July. We, uh, he already had a few Russian-speaking people in his church, and so we met with them, uh, visited some others in the neighborhood, uh, saw, the, saw what there was to see, uh, at least a, a little sliver of it anyway, and we were convinced that, that, that the Lord wanted us there. So we were actually with him on a Wednesday night um, with the pastor and his wife, and we were driving around, and they pulled off to the side of the road, and, and they, he, he just turned around and he said, okay, well, <laughs> what do you think? And so I told them that, uh, that if they would have us, that we would, we would come work with them. Uh, and so they felt the same way. We, we, well, I thought, even if uh, the, our connection with Bethel, the church there, wouldn't work out, okay, uh, God still wanted us in New York City uh, to, to do what we're doing now. And so that's kind of the, the short version of, of how that came about. I know it was interesting, we 
be talking about morning. I don't want to have you say that I'm morning either. But um, uh, we were talking about the difference between the people that were over there and the people that were uh, in Judea and the people the people that are in Jerusalem. Sure. Um, what I told Pastor uh, and, and his wife is that we found that ministry, uh, that life in Russia was hard because when we were in the village, we had uh, sporadic electricity, no running water, etc. Um, so, you know, you, you, it, takes, it takes a while to live, to clean, to cook, to all that kind of stuff. But we told them, you know, life was hard, but ministry was easy because the people would come and they would sit and we would talk and, and it, was, it was just different. You come to New York, and you have a different breed uh, of Russians. You know, not, not everybody who wants to come, comes. Not, not everybody who wants to come is able to come, right? God allows some to come and doesn't allow others to come, and others don't want to come. And in New York, you know, obviously it's not the cheapest place in the world to live. And so you have these folks who are coming to this new country, maybe where they were, they were doctors, they were bankers, they were professionals. They come here, and now they're Uber drivers or now they're construction workers. Most of our ladies, they work as home health aides, uh, either for watching young children or else watching the elderly. And so, and so it's, it's, it's definitely a, a transition. So they have not only their own living expenses and their own immigration court expenses, which, which to immigrate to America, if you do it the right way, it can, it can be sometimes a 10 year long process. It can take a long time. And there are lawyers every step of the way. So they are working and they are immigrating. And oftentimes they're trying to learn English as well. And then they still have whatever family back in the old country. Oftentimes they're the primary breadwinner. Uh, sometimes the only breadwinner. They're not making anything back there. And so they're being split in lots of different directions. And so the folks that we do have, although we have, uh, we have two services a week in Brooklyn. Uh, we used to have three. And then the, the Bible study in Queens, typically we only see our folks once a week uh, because schedule-wise, they just, they, just they, they can't come. They won't come. Uh, they're working six days a week. Sometimes they're working eight days a week, it seems like. Uh, you know, multiple jobs, and the jobs they get are not the best jobs. And so, uh, so yeah, in New York, of course, life is pretty easy, uh, but the ministry is much, much different because of all the pressures and the hustle and the bustle uh, that they're being pulled in. people maybe so yeah and and as far as the same size that's 500 people 500 people total in Christian and non-Christian do we yeah. we do we do and our church I'll say this um, we have a sign in our church obviously there's a war going on right and our church is not a Russian church it's not a Ukrainian church it's not even a Slavic church uh, because we we, we want anyone who can speak Russian, especially from Central Asia, since that was the original burden that the Lord uh, put on our heart and, and continues uh, actually to have on our heart. And so, and so we emphasize that, that 
uh, you know, there's one God, there's one faith, there's one, uh, one brotherhood is what we have on our side. Because, and, and we've lost people over the war. Uh, we know, you know, family where the, the husband is Russian, the wife is Ukrainian, but the husband supports the Ukrainians and the wife supports Vladimir Putin and the Russians. And it is, it is every kind of mixed up. Uh, it is really very close to a civil war. And in, in some families, it actually is that. They've got people on both sides of the front. So, uh, so yeah, we have, and we emphasize this, we have a Russian-speaking church. Thank you. 
for me, for my wife. Yes, sir. It's real. Um, it's kind of a new development. I, I, I mentioned to somebody, I think a lot of folks still have the idea of New York from the 70s when you see trash barrels burning and things like that. And, and it's not that way. Uh, Mayor Giuliani cleaned that up before we ever got there for the most part. But there has been a, in more recent days, a, uh, a wave, a spate uh, of just random crimes on the subways, people shooting people, knifing people, stealing things. Now, I'll say this, um, nowadays, there's no part of New York City that I wouldn't feel comfortable and safe going in during the daytime hours. It's, so it's not like a war zone or, or that kind of thing. And these things that happen, you, you, if you read about them on the news or hear about them, typically 3 o'clock in the morning uh, in some deserted location, uh, train station, whatever. So, yeah, and people, for the most part, if you're not looking for trouble, you're not going to find it. Now, sometimes it's just some what people would call just random act that happens wherever in the tourist area or something. But so for the most part, no, I don't, I don't, we don't have any, any, any fear about being in or around New York City. But, but the things that you're hearing about, they're, they're real things. time that we've been there, I've only known of two that have come to our church. One of them is there now. Uh, uh, and in his, in his case, he, he, was, uh, he was living in Russia. He was drafted to fight in the war. Didn't want to fight in the war. And so he made his way to Mexico. And from Mexico, he ended up in New York City. So he's in the immigration process now. Um, for the most part, no. But there are some. Uh, and like I said, he's not the only guy. I knew of one other guy that confessed to me that's what he did. Uh, he came across in a truck and, and made his way to New York after that. So it does happen. Predominantly not, but it does happen. Anything else? Uh, yeah. Uh, two of our adult kids aren't walking uh, closely with the Lord. Uh, and so that would be, that would be a, a great thing. If, if that happened.